1: Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. We are so glad you're joining us. I'm Joel Grote.
2: And I'm Lynn Wilder, and I'm excited for this one today. Um, I've, I've known Morgan Archer just a little bit, um, but I am excited to hear the details of her story. Morgan was once LDS. And has certainly landed in a different place. Yeah. Welcome, Morgan. Tell us a little Thank bit you. about yourself.
3: Um, so I am a mom of three kids. Um, I, uh, I'm on staff now at a church um, down in Glendale. I run family ministry there. Glendale, Arizona. Glendale, Arizona, the bridge church. Yeah. Yes, that's where I'm at. I'm excited to be here today.
2: So tell us about your LDS background.
3: All right. Well, um, I come from two amazing parents who raised me in the Mormon Church. And um, I had a great experience in the church. I went to EFY as a teenager. I was always the first one up there bearing my testimony about how I knew the church was true. And you know what? At that time, I did believe the church was true. I have no doubts in my mind at that moment. I believed it and I proclaimed it. And um, I met my amazing husband right after high school. Um, I was so set. I was going to live that Mormon life. I was going to be a mom early. I was going to get married early. I honestly, thankfully we've been married 11 years, but honestly, I didn't care who it was. I just wanted to marry the first man who was righteous and, and ready to marry me and get married in the temple. And so we got married in the temple in 2009. Um, and, um, it, it was a, our marriage at first was a struggle, to be honest. Um, we dealt with a lot of, de- I dealt with a lot of depression um, and anxiety. And when I started to um, have questions about the church, I would just shove them back. Um, and so um, for a long time, I just, kept living that life, kept living that righteous life. And my husband dealt with, um, an addiction, a pornography addiction, and I didn't know how to deal with it. We went to a lot of, um, LDS therapists and counselors and sure they helped us sugarcoat it a little bit more, but we didn't understand. I had a great relationship with Jesus, but I didn't understand that. Um, each day was new, that each day was a new beginning and that I didn't need to condemn my husband or shame my husband because the grace of God was all that we needed in our marriage. But I didn't know that. Um, And I had my son um, who was preemie. And so that was a pretty traumatic experience. And after I had him, I had a moment with God and I just kind of fell to my knees. And um, the Lord had told me that I wasn't in the right place. And I kept, again, you know, I endured to the end. I kept pushing it back and the Lord kept saying, no, slow down. How did that happen? (laughs) Yeah. And so I looked at that little tiny baby boy who was, you know, three pounds, 12 ounces. And I looked at him and I thought, um, like, Lord, like what's going on? I need you. You know, people came and gave him priesthood blessings, but the most powerful was me holding his hand and praying with my little tiny baby. And I didn't know I had that power. I didn't know I had that ability to hold his hand and still pray with him, you know. And so that's when I feel like my doubts um, kind of started to resurface. And I had a great excuse not to go to church because I had a preemie at home, and that lasted <laughs> a good three years until I had to just accept: Am I going to go back to church, or am I not going to go back to church? So my husband um, at the time was very textbook Mormon. He Um, wholeheartedly had a testimony of the church. And this is hard because this is the first time I've shared um, vulnerability um, and um, transparency about what had happened. And so I went up to my husband and I had said, I can't do this anymore. It's destroying me. I would spend hours in my room on a Sunday and mostly Sundays and just lock myself in the room and just cry because I was searching for something and I didn't know what it was because I thought I had everything you know everything was there i had yeah. i i had jesus but i didn't have jesus and so i went to my husband and i had said you know what i'm not going back to church and um i don't have a testimony of the church anymore And, you know, of course, they're like, okay, what have you gotten into? What have you read? What have you done? And I did. I did read. I read the Bible. (laughs) Like, I read the Bible, and the Bible was not correlating with what I was reading in the Book of Mormon. So the first thing that happened was that he invited the missionaries over, and the missionaries came over. And I was all for it. I was like, okay, maybe I'm just falling off the deep end and I need some redirection. And so the missionaries came over and, um, they challenged me to read the book of Mormon and I declined the challenge. And I said, I'm just going to read the Bible. And they were very persistent. They said, no, we really want you to read the book of Mormon. That's how you're going to grow your testimony. And I said, I've read the book of Mormon multiple times. Mm. And I and I just want to study the Bible. They're like, okay, that's fine. They never really came back <laughs> because I got really in depth in that Bible and I discovered a God of grace. I discovered, you know, in the Psalms um, when David is crying out to God and he's saying, Lord, hear me like I'm struggling. That's how I felt. I felt like, oh my gosh, I related so much to David in that, in that story. And and God was there. He was there all along. He said, you know, I'm here, I'm here. You just like need to find me. And so I finally just told my husband, there's nothing that I can do. I've been, it's, it's time. I think I need to try a church. And my best friend at the time, um, who was still my best friend, um, and my beautiful sister in Christ, she, um, had got saved by a, um, life of addiction and, alcoholism. And she decided that she was going to change her life because I was ready to change my life. So um, my best friend uh, invited me to a Wednesday night group. And um, I decided to go um, and to experience that. And that (laughs) sure was a new experience for me, a bunch of women. And um, at the end of the night, um, they all asked if they could lay hands on me. And I was a little, (laughs) I was a little thrown off by that to be completely honest, especially (laughs) coming from my background, where um, that is only for priesthood holders. And that is only for people who have the authority. And my first thought to be if I'm being completely transparent was they don't have the authority to do that. But I sat there and I allowed them to do it. And by the time that prayer was over, the Holy Spirit was so strong in my heart. And I was crying, I had gone home, and I had mixed feelings. I had feelings of, oh, I really hope I didn't do something really bad. And then I had the feelings of, what was that? That was the greatest peace I've ever felt. Um, So as the weeks went on, I continued to go to that Wednesday group and a couple other groups, but I had yet made that, um, decision to go to service because I wasn't ready for that yet.
1: Okay. Um, so I have to, I have to pause you here for just a second. Yeah. Where is your husband in all this? Cause he's still, um, Was he a return missionary? I mean, he's still um, full.
3: Yeah, my husband comes from an amazing family of um, uh, great and active members of the church. And um, he served a full-time mission in Guadalajara, uh, Mexico.
1: No way. I have been there so many times. I love Guadalajara. Okay.
3: Yes. Um, So he wholeheartedly at this point... um, you know, I'd come home from the meetings and he would say, you know, like, it's fine that you're going to these, but just know this isn't the church. They don't have, they're missing things. They're missing things. There's things that they're missing.
1: Um, Now, was he raised LDS also multi-generational?
3: He he was. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, his dad was a convert. Yeah. His dad was a convert and, um, his mom served a mission, his siblings, he comes from a family of six and, they all served missions, um, including wow. sisters. <laughs> yeah. So um, so pretty I I was a little bit intimidated to have those conversations because my background um with my siblings is at this point they've all left the church. And I come from a family of six. They've all left the okay. church and um my mom's heart is broken. She doesn't know I'm going to these services or these um groups and I didn't have the confidence at that point to say anything because I didn't want to be the last, the last child to leave the church is what I would be. Um, And I saw the pain in her eyes when my siblings left the church and I saw how much it hurt her. And I never wanted to be that person that was going to hurt her because I love my mom. And so I just kept pushing it back. And, you know, I I don't know if that was the right choice to not let her know what was going on in my head. Um, And so in my husband's family, they all don't live here. So they, at this point, still have no idea what's going on. They have no idea that their um, son's wife is deciding to leave the church. Um, So, And how long ago was this? Um, we've been out of the church for three years now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Three years um, in, in April. So, so yeah. So um, I kind of like lost where I was at, but I. Um,
1: well, you were, I mean, so you're going to this church, you're attending like these Wednesday night Bible group. study sort of meetings. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you're experiencing and, the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus. way I've never Jesus. Right. Through these ladies. Yeah.
2: In fact, Ken, just for the listeners, I think it would be helpful to know exactly what you mean
3: when you say the ladies laid hands on you. Okay, so um so They asked if they could pray for me. And when they pray for me, oh my gosh, so powerful. I'm excited that I get to explain this. They held my hands. They put they were rubbing my back. They were putting their hands on my head and just rubbing my hair. It was not like a priesthood blessing. It wasn't like they all put their hands on my head. It was like they embraced me. They said, Okay, you know, let's let's walk alongside this with God. You know, you're having doubts, and we really want you to know the true gospel. And so that was what they prayed. They prayed that my eyes would be open and that I would see for myself, um, and not be afraid. And so it was a, those, the fact that they were putting their hands on me would probably be a better, um, thing wasn't, was amazing. Um, so, you know, shortly after that, um, I was in a really bad car accident and, um, Yeah. So I had gotten hit by a driver that was texting. Um, and I was knocked unconscious. And, um, in that moment, uh, God had said, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with you yet. And, um, I was really confused. I I had gone home and I was like, I am so, you know, I was in the hospital, but then when I got home, I said, I am so confused. Um, But when at that car accident site, once again, somebody had laid their hands on me and had asked if they could pray for me. Um, And that was all I can remember of that accident. Everything else was a blur, but I do remember this woman coming out of her car And praying for me and she knew everything to pray for. She prayed for my finances. She prayed for my heart. She prayed for my spirit. She didn't know me. She had never met me before, but the fact that she stepped out in faith and she had said, can I pray for you right now? And I mean, I was so out of it, but I said, yeah, I mean, sure. And that was the moment that I decided that I was ready for something more. I was ready for a stronger relationship with God so um as I was healing and continuing to heal I went to my husband and I said my I don't want my kids to participate in this church anymore I don't and I knew um how, what how he felt and he he wasn't. He looked at me and he just cried and he just said, oh, man. "How how could you do this to our family? How you know?" I shared it with my best friend at the time, who actually is no longer my best friend because I had left the church. But I shared it with her and she said, "How I'm so disappointed in the fact that you've chosen to live this life." And I was confused because the life I was choosing was a life in Jesus Christ. And so I said, why don't you try one time to come with me to this church? I've never been to a service. It'll be a new experience for both of us.
1: Now and is this we to went, your husband or to your best friend?
3: To my husband. To your yeah. husband.
1: Okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And he was really hesitant. He, well, he, yeah. was, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> he was like, um, I'm not sure how I feel about this, but I love you and I want to support you. And he's an amazing man. And so he said, okay, I'll go. And so, um, he went and then he started going to Wednesday night group and, um, the first Sunday that we went to church, um, all these men were inviting him. Oh, come to Wednesday night. It's great. I see your wife comes. You should come. He felt so, um, you know, he told me, oh my gosh, I've never felt so welcomed and loved and they played reckless love. And for somebody who has an addiction, that song really touched both of our hearts to know that God like he's going to come after us. Like that one person he's going to come after, you know? Um, And so that was a, that was a turning point in our lives. And that's when um, it all began. He started going to Wednesday night groups and he started having connections with other men. And, you know, he told me at first, you know, I'm just doing this, you know, for you. And then I, I saw my husband transform and the fact that I could see him transform and leave that life of addiction and not having to go and do all of these things to be out of addiction, but just to surrender, that's all he had to do. And I thought we had to do so much. I thought we had to keep going to therapy. I thought we had to make sure we're reading our scriptures every day and doing all these good works. But all we had to do was surrender to Jesus. And our marriage was completely transformed. That was the biggest thing. And then he, one day he came to me and he said, I am so glad that we decided to leave the church. And I, I would tell my sisters on the phone, he's never going to like, he'll never, he'll never be on my side. He'll never, um, he'll never come with me, but now I see who he is and you know, it's hard because I was the one that, you know, um, took him, I guess is what a lot of people believe. I took him away from the church, but, um, in all reality, I'm so excited that I brought him into freedom and that we can walk in that freedom together. And for us, that has been a game changer in our marriage and in our relationship
1: oh yeah that's just incredible
3: so i'm eager for you to talk about some
2: of the specifics of the before and after and and then i have a couple of questions from your story but talk about the before and after what things have changed and exactly (laughs) how they have changed maybe give us an example
3: Yeah. So I, um, suffered with, uh, severe depression. Um, I would lock myself in my room and I would just cry for days on end and I have three beautiful children, but I just, I couldn't, I couldn't handle the guilt of never being enough, the guilt of never, um, equipping to what my, not, not any person, but what I thought God needed me to be. And I just, I, I, I struggled. I really, really struggled. And, um, you know, So I, I, I didn't know that God loved me as much as he loved me. And when I came into freedom and I came into out of bondage, I experienced God in a way that I can't, I don't even know if there's words to describe, but the, the fact that the moment I feel that depression and anxiety hit, the first thing I do is open my journal and I go read my Bible, not because I have to, but because. I can, and because that's where I find peace and comfort. And it's and and those moments where I can't do it. I still have that peace and comfort because I just have to turn on a worship song and be reminded of the love that God has for me. And you know what, if my day was super busy and I didn't get to those scriptures that day, God still loves me just the same. And I love to know that. And I love to experience that and experience the grace that he offers me every day. That even though I had a relationship with him before, now I truly have a relationship with my God and he, and I can proclaim that he is my God and that he is for me and not against me. So I want to follow up
1: a little bit on Lynn's question so how how did being both your you and your husband committed to sort of this performance-based lifestyle where you've got to do certain things you've got to fulfill certain commandments how is that affecting how you interacted with each other um, as husband and wife and was was that also contributing to your depression
3: oh Absolutely. Um, I would, uh, shame my husband on a regular basis to be completely honest for his addiction and how he's not doing enough. And, you know, he never did the same for me, but I just thought, man, if I was a good enough wife or if I um, did enough things and if, um, you know, we would fight all the time because of the shame that I think we both were feeling. Um, but mostly the shame that I would project onto my husband because, he wasn't doing enough. And all that did for him was continue the cycle of shame and never being enough.
1: Right. And then from that shame comes the desire for relief. And so you yeah. seek out relief where you've always gone to it. And so that's how addictions yeah. get their power so, and it just cycles through over and over and over again.
3: Yeah. So, um, actually, so since we've been out, uh, a lot, le- a Three years. We've been married eleven years, and I would say the majority of our marriage, even though I would say I, I love my husband so much, the majority of our marriage was not good. <laughs> it was just kind of living on uh, the edge and hoping we made it to the next day, and me not stressing and worrying about whether I'm going to be with my husband for eternity because of what's going on and. it it was, it was definitely something that affected us, um, tremendously that it was a cycle of shame. And then we went back to the addiction and then it was shame. And then we went back to the addiction and it just, it rippled into our marriage in ways that like, I, I couldn't even explain.
1: And I'm assuming that trickled down to even your children, Oh,
3: absolutely. Um, my oldest is autistic. So she feels, um, emotions very, very much. And our, my kids were, were very affected by it, you know, and we didn't tell anybody that we were struggling this much. Um, because really, you don't really talk about that kind of stuff.
1: Uh, No, you can't, (laughs) you you
3: know, so you don't have it all together, then.
1: We just acted like
3: the perfect couple and everyone probably thought we were great and we were doing fine. And, you know, we've now been married 11 years, but, um, I, there was just something that I just, I wasn't ready to quit because, you know, um, and this is me being transparent. Growing up, I struggled with my own addictions that had to do with pornography, and I'm a woman. And so that was very, very hard for me. That was hard for me. And I could feel, even though I was shaming him, I remember the guilt and the shame I felt um, growing up um, that way. And so um, I think that helped me just kind of hold on and have that faith and that um, encouragement that. He can do it because, you know, there was something in me that told me he can do it. So I wasn't ready to give up, but we were fighting every day.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. And
2: hopefully we'll talk to Trent and ask him some specific questions about all that. But I had another question about something you've touched on a couple times. You've said you felt like God, spoke to you right so is this an experience you had in mormonism or is this an experience only
3: post-mormonism so um (laughs) i there was a moment where um in mormonism I would convince myself that God was speaking to me. I would convince myself that I was having those moments. And you know what? Maybe I did have a couple. Maybe I had some moments with God um, that were very intimate and very close, but I never really felt the connection um, that I did until I left the church, if that makes any sense. Oh, it does. (laughs) Because now you
2: have a father who loves you rather than a father who
3: shames you, right? That's right. That's right. Yes, absolutely. Difference.
1: So, so Morgan, um, at what point then as you're going to church, you're being exposed to um, a different message, a message of grace, a message of unconditional love and acceptance, um, forgiveness based on Jesus. So at what point do you make that transition? Do you go, okay, no, it's not about me having to do this list of things to be worthy of God. Um, I just need to accept what Christ has already done for me, um, was that a point in time? Was that a process? Because it's different for everybody.
3: Oh, yeah, it was absolutely a process. We kind of lived that Christian life secretly for a little bit. Um, I remember once in church, they played the song. It said, um, I surrender. I want to know you, Lord. And I thought in my head, I just want to know the Lord. I don't think I ever really knew the Lord um, because I never really tried. I just did the things I did. I did read my um, scriptures every day. I wore my garments. I went to the temple. I did all of those things, but I want to know you, Lord. And I got on my knees one day um, and I had said, God, just show me who you are. Just show me who you are and what I need to do. And um, I think it was that day that I um, had gone to Chib- church and I had raised my hands in the air and I had surrendered to God Um, and at that point um, I knew that that was the life that God had designed for me so um, and and that's where I am now I'm uh, I run a full-time I run a part-time ministry in my apartment complex and then I run um, family ministry at my church, and I can't even express the amount of love I have for my Savior, and the relationship that I—he's ha- my best friend, like, you know—and I—I couldn't say that in the Mormon church. I couldn't say that.
1: Well, this has been great, Morgan. Thank you so much for sharing yes. um, what God's done. But- the joy of Jesus and just the, um, the spirit on your life is so evident, it's so cool to see the yeah. transformation that's happened in you and then in your marriage and your family.
3: Yes, the glory goes to God. Absolutely.
2: Thank God for the work he has called you to. That is really awesome. And uh, I feel blessed. We're all in this together, right? Well, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jesus
1: absolutely well and thank you um anyone who's listening to the podcast for being with us for this episode um what we want for you is what morgan's has experienced just the escape from performance-based religion the weight of having to perform to know a god who loved you who um, died to forgive all your sins to restore you to relationship based on what jesus did not on what you do so we just invite you to, to experience this kind of grace that heals for yourself and just remind you that this and all of our other episodes are available at our unveilinggracepodcast.com website. We would love to have you stop by there, drop a message off for either Lynn or I, or if you want to send something to Morgan, you can do that via us as well. Thanks so much for being with us. Morgan, thank you for being with yes. us.
3: Thank you for allowing me to have the opportunity to share my story. You know, I think for so long, I was so afraid of doing that. And I feel so grateful that I've reached a point in my life where I can um, proclaim what God has done without fear. Amen. Thank you so much. And peace.
2: Until next time.
1: So long.
0: Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast.